Welcome to episode 76 of From the Shed End with myself, T-Dot, as always. New Year. Happy New Year for you. How are you doing? Not bad, thanks. Happy New Year to you too and Happy New Year to all our followers. Um, had a nice little Christmas break. Uh, like I just told you, a lot of booze, a lot of food. So doing a bit of a detox here in January and getting back into the flow of things with my work routine, which is not so easy, like we just spoke about. Um, but yeah, definitely looking forward to our podcast therapy sessions again in 2023 because i think we'll be needing them given the form that we're in at the moment yeah we're gonna need them more than ever i think just off the back of how we played against forest which we'll touch on in a minute but before we do that if you're new to the channel make sure you subscribe make sure you click that bell that notification button and also if you hit the link tree link in the description it'll take you to all our social accounts and our apple podcast um spotify podcast as well take you to all the previous episodes that we've done before so um yeah, we didn't do uh, end of year or end of the year 2022 uh, review, probably because it hasn't really been a good year. Let's be honest. <laughs> it hasn't been the best of years as a Chelsea fan. But let's progress it into the new year, which I thought was going to be a new you know, World Cup, brilliant World Cup we had. We haven't really spoke about that really as well, but we'll do that separately. Um, brilliant World Cup. I came into this sort of year thinking, you know, positivity, um, Nottingham Forest was just, I mean, let's start with that game because that was a game where we should have got three points. It looked like we were going to get three points in the first half and some parts of the second half, but we just collapsed and we just allowed Forest. We could have lost that game, let's be honest. We could have really walked away from there with zero points. I mean, from my perspective, nothing really has changed in terms of tactically I don't know what happens on the training ground. Obviously, not privy to that. But what's your thoughts on the Forest game and and the reflection of how we played prior to the World Cup to to now? What 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 do you think's changed anything? I think it's just a continuous kind of momentum of our form that we were showing before the World Cup. Um, you look at even the second half, the Bournemouth game. As soon as Rhys James went off injured, we didn't look good either. I think Bournemouth, if they had a bit more quality in their squad, they could have easily scored one or two. But yeah, the Nottingham Forest game was poor. It was lethargic. It was lacklustre. I don't think we showed enough desire to go and score that second goal. That first goal from Raheem Sterling, good finish. It was a good finish on the volley, but it's a lucky goal. Takes a big deflection, hits the crossbar, and then you know he just has to slot it in on the volley. But um, but yeah, we just didn't show enough to get that second goal. And you know, typical problems that we're showing throughout the season is we're not killing games off. Uh, we don't go in for that second goal. Um, and like you said, I thought Forest um, could have gone and won the game. Uh, that second half was re- was really poor. I uh, feel like the the same players that you always want to show a bit of consistency, the likes of Havertz, Mount, Pulisic, those players just didn't do enough for me on the day. Um, and the substitutions, none of those substitutions had an impact. I think the only player that looked like maybe he wanted to get a ball into the box was Hakim Ziyech, and he put a brilliant cross in for Obama Yang, but Obama Yang, again, hasn't scored since October, couldn't finish it. Um, and then Kovacic, Gallagher, they look poor. They just were in there to get their their steps or their minutes in. They didn't look they didn't look like they they had you know enough in in them. But yeah, no really poor performance. And it's that you know you're playing a team that's in the bottom three of the Premier League and you're Chelsea Football Club. You'd expect us to win it. You'd really expect us to win it, but we didn't. And that's what really worries me. I we're tenth now in the league. And if we want to kind of gain a bit of form and momentum to get top four, these are the type of games we need to be winning. But the fact we're not winning them and dropping points is really worrying in my eyes. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I think, you know, um, that second half was poor. I think we had one shot. We had 60 
maybe 63% possession of the ball. But Forest were all over us. I think they, yeah, you know, they didn't have much of the ball. They, they, they took their chances. They looked like they were going to get a second goal as well. The midfield for us is, I mean, we're going to get to transfers later on, but that midfield is crying out for, for, for new, fresh blood. Um, no criticism of Giorgio. I thought, you know, he, he looked... Uh, it's, it's almost like a domino effect, I think, because the midfield so poor, is now making our centre-backs look poor. And arguably, Thiago Silva is the best player in Chelsea Football Club right now at 38 years of age, which shouldn't be shouldn't be the thing. Thiago Silva should not be playing week in, week out for Chelsea Football Club at 38 years of age. He should be a player that we bring on cup games, you know, big games like City tonight. He should be that player that we've been to the team, but he's been willed out every single game. He's the, the player that we rely on at nearly 40 years of age. When you think about the money we've spent, the players that we currently have, the players that we've had previously, looking to a, a, a man who's closer to retirement than his peak years um, to, to carry us over the line, to get us a point out of a game against Forest. I think that, sh- to me, shows us a lot more about the previous recruitment, the recruitment that's happening at the moment, the players' desire to win games. There's so much that's at fault. Um, Aspilicueta, I mean, I don't want to single him out because, I mean, Forest was the Forest game was poor for, for you know a number of players, but for him, that game didn't tell people that he's he's not, uh, I would say fit enough, but he's not at the level, the quality, I suppose, anymore. You know, he's, he screams out, you know, Ivanovic to me at the moment where, you know, he was a brilliant right back for us for, for many years. But if you watch the decline of Ivanovic, I remember a couple of seasons ago watching him at West Brom. He did last 10 minutes. You know, he, he he's one of those players now. Where I think we've we've seen the best out of Aspilicueta. If he starts tonight, which again, we'll get on to later. But if he starts tonight, it could be four, five, six. Um, that's not be that's, that's just being kind to, to, to Aspilicueta. But... Um, it's worrying, you know. You look at this, the strikers as well. Let's let's quickly talk about. Obviously, Raheem Sterling took his goal really well, but you know, Bamiang not really doing anything. Havertz not really doing anything. Like you said, Zek was probably the only player who came on, and the sub made sense. You know, I didn't understand. We've got all this youth on the bench, these talented players that we brought in. You know, you look at Amari Hutchinson, Chukwemeka, who I think came on at some point, but very late into the game. Why not bring them in? Why not throw them into the game second half earlier on? Give them something to to you know, these experienced senior players to think about in the game. I just I just don't get it. I mean, what's your thoughts? Would you've probably brought on, you know, Hutchinson or you know Gallagher a bit earlier? Would you've given them a bit more time? Well, I do think given the kind of vast injury amount of injuries that we have at the moment, we do lack a bit of depth on that bench and the substitutions, I guess, were those experienced players that Potter could turn to, the likes of Ziyech, Kovacic, even Gallagher now I kind of class him as an experienced player when he's on alongside the bench on the bench alongside the likes of Hall, um, Chukumeka, and uh, I think it was um a player called Humphreys, I believe, um the other day. Yeah. Um so yeah, but um but no, I, I feel I, I agree with you, the 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 attacking players were poor. Um, Kovacic, when he came on, he had a brilliant World Cup, but he was poor. I don't know if he's not really match fit yet, but um, but he misplaced like, two passes in a row, and that's when I just knew it wasn't going to be our day, you know, to get to snatch the three points. That being said, I do think he'll start today, and hopefully, if he gets you know more minutes under his belt, then he should be match fit and trying to build that form that he showed during the World Cup with Croatia. But um, but no, um, going back to what you said about Silver as well, 
he was at 38, he was the player that played the most minutes for us in 2022, which for me is worrying. It's really worrying. You know, you look, you've got players like Mount, you've got players like Kovacic, Jorginho, even your, your goalkeepers. You know, you've got an outfield player playing more minutes than your goalkeepers and the outfield player's 38. Something's just not right, is it? So, um, yeah, I think completely echo everything you said about the recruitment, the strategy, the kind of the players that we're linked to trying to bring in. Is it making sense for us? And we're going to move on to that when we talk about transfers in a bit. But I don't know. For me, it was. I thought maybe that first half of the Bournemouth game, I thought we were going in the right direction. But, you know, second half and the 90 minutes of the, the Forest game were just, you know, shades of the form we were showing throughout November and the start of the season again. No, I agree. I agree. And we've, we've spoken about the transfer strategy and and players that we do need to sign, players that we have signed. Um, I want to start off with, obviously, the big news that came out last night around Enzo Fernandes. It all looks like it's off. It looks like whatever the negotiations have been over the last couple of days have come to a stalemate. Benfica won X amount. Chelsea are willing to pay X amount. Um, it's, I mean, it's laughable, to be fair, because I think it's a play that we need, in my opinion. It's a play that we're crying out for. We're crying out for someone who can be a bit more creative in that midfield. We've done all the hard work. The player wants to leave the club. He's come out, he's said, I don't want to play for Benfica anymore. I'm happy. Chelsea's the only club I want to go to. Benfica are willing to, to sell. The manager came out at the weekend and said, it looks like he might have played his last game for Benfica. Didn't train earlier on in the week. He was allowed to go to Argentina, I think, for New Year's Eve. Um, you know, celebrate there. Everything's lined up to to sign what is a quality player at the age that he is. I mean, I, I don't. I, is this signs of you know earlier on when Bowley took over and we was going for Rafinha, we was going for this player, we was going for that player, and it just seems like we're going down the same road we did in the summer, where we're throwing things at the wall, expecting it to to stick, and it's not it's not working. But, What's your thoughts on Enzo Fernandez? First of all, is he a player that we need? Do we need to go back in and just release, you know, activate that release clause now? I think even before our kind of our looking for that number nine who can get us goals, we need to focus on our midfield because Jorginho is out of contract in the summer. Kante is injury prone. Kovacic is only getting older. Mount Gallagher knows lots of cheek aren't really exactly central midfielders. Sure. The money that Benfica are asking, I think it's just under 120 million euros. It's a lot of money. And you do ask yourself the question, is it worth it? Um, but like you said, we've been crying out for a player like that in that position, who's young, who's just come out, out of the back of an amazing World Cup. Um, I, sh- I do kind of think it's a, it is a lot of money. It is a lot of money for a player that's been good for maybe a year and a half now. And I do kind of, I don't really understand the people that say, oh, but it's not our money. Why should we care? But you look now at financial fair play and the long-term impact it's going to have on clubs in the future, especially that we're not really looking like we're going to sell any players for a lot of money. I think it may come to bite us back, bite us in the future. But if we can kind of try to find a way to, to you know, even the money and sell some some dead wood or some players to make that money back, then I'm all for it. Um, I think the I think like you mentioned, he wants to move. The manager has allowed the player to. To you know, talk to Chelsea or his agent. To I think who's George A. Mendes to talk to Chelsea as well. But I think now it's the only kind of um, roadblock is um, Rui Costa, the Benfica president, who's really holding back for that 120 million is release clause. I still don't think it's completely finished. I think this is a transfer kind of saga that might go to deadline day, um, and I think uh, it might get to the point where the player maybe refuses to train, 
But I think Benfica really are holding back for a lot of money because they're top of the league at the moment. They only lost their first game of the season against Braga last week and they want to win their, their first um, um, Portuguese title since 2020. So I think that's why. And, you know, Fernandes is a big piece of that, their, their team and their squad. Um, but I'm, I'd be really happy to see him. It's what exactly what we need for the next six months of the season and the, the future as well. But I do worry that it is a lot of money, especially of the long-term impact it might have on the club going forward. Yeah, I, I, I understand that. I think, um, I suppose I'm looking at it from the other perspective of what do we need right now to at least, you know, we'll talk about City in a minute, but if we lose tonight, you know, we're in the, almost in the bottom half of the table. We can practically write off top four this season. Um, I'm not saying Fernandez comes in and changes that overnight or even this season, but it might give us a bit more going forward as well. Um, I've just put this this tweet up and and I'll be honest, I haven't checked the rely how reliable the source is. So, but if this is a massive if, if this is true that we are trying to offer Hakim Ziyech or Bafana or Santos, two players that potentially do need to go on loan somewhere anyway, because uh, I don't think Santos has got a work permit at the moment. He might end up going back to Vasco da Gama anyway. But if this is the case that we're trying to do these sort of you know, Klarna payments, which is what I call them, you know, offering 90, but we'll, like, we'll add someone else in. Yeah, financial fair play is a, a massive thing, and I do get that. But I think this is a player that realistically, you know, we've just signed a, a you know, Bafana and a, 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 you know Ivory Coast striker that hopefully come good at some point next season. To me, this is the massive piece of the puzzle. This is something that we need to address this season. Um, my worry now is that Liverpool, I mean, Jude Bellingham looks almost slightly more likely to join Real Madrid than Liverpool at the moment, based on what this is and the people are saying out there at the moment. So if he joins Liverpool, uh, Real Madrid, you can guarantee Liverpool will do everything in their power to try and get Fernandes and another team that is crying out for midfielders and I think we, we've done all the hard work. And if we allow a player of this calibre, in my opinion, I get what you mean. You know, he's only had a, a very short period of quality football in him. But if we can get someone like this over the line, early doors. And I, I think as well, I read that he's, um, you know, he's, he's, a, he's available for a lot less in the summer. Um, mm. So do you hang on and wait? But then again, you know, we, we saw what happened with Haaland, you know, City snapped him up straight away. So I just think it's such a strange tactic from the board from, you know, we can't blame previous manager who potentially was in charge of signings as everyone kept screaming, telling me you know, a couple of months ago that Tuchel was responsible for all the failings and the signings. This is now on the owners. And this is why I said when Thomas Tuchel was at the picture, moving forward, Todd Bowley and everyone who sits underneath him is now responsible for these, these transfers that come through. If we fail, it's on him. It's not on. It can't be on Graham Potter because Graham Potter's job is to get the players to play, train them tactically, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This has to be done, in my opinion. We have to get this deal done. Obviously, not with the likes of Fafana and Santa. I think we should just have to activate the release clause. I, I just don't. I just don't see it myself. But yeah, it's a sad one. If we don't get that, it's a sad. If especially if it goes to Liverpool, I mean, the likelihood is he goes to a club in in. England, I think, and it would be Liverpool. Um, you know, I don't see City eating him or wanting him or trying to go over him. The only team that was really linked with him was Liverpool um, within England. It'd be a shame to let him go there. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, 
it's a lot of money, but I don't expect him to drastically change things overnight. But at his age and given the quality he's shown in a short period of time, I think it'll be an investment, a long-term investment. And I think it's also talks of us paying that, that lot of money in different kind of installments. But but yeah, I think it'll be a big blow if we kind of let this one kind of go out of our hands and he joins a rival team. I agree. I agree. Let's move on to some others because I've just mentioned obviously Fafana and Santos. We have signed, well, have we signed? Have we signed him now? I think we signed um, from Monaco. He's my, he's, my mind's gone Badia, Benoit Badiachil, I think that's his name. Badiachil, yes. Um, 21 year old. I think he's left footed, centre back. French international. Give me your thoughts on that because <laughs> Kulabali, who hasn't really performed as we thought he would do, Fafana, I think he's again, you know, could play left side. Kukurea, who's played left side as well. Are we over stacked in centre backs at the moment, or is this the case of Thiago Silva departing the club at the end of the season and bringing in as much quality to to? make sure that we, we've got enough cover there for next season. I think we do have a lot of options as you know, centre-backs. There's Chiloba is another option, but I think it also is the quality of those centre-backs. I mean, don't get me wrong, Silver is world-class, but like we spoke about so many times on his podcast, he's 38. And I think we're asking for a lot, even if he renews his contract for another year. Um, whereas I think Kulabali, Kukurella haven't really shown the, the form that we were expecting to, them to to show when joining Chelsea. Chaloba's good, but he's still quite raw and young. And then Fafana's been injured. Um, I do I do like the profile of uh, Benoit Badiachil. Two, two appearances for, for the French national team as well at 21 years old. I was reading a Eurosport article from um, a French journalist called um, Jean-Baptiste Duluc, and he kind of gave an assessment and an analysis of uh, Badiachil because I don't know too much about him. And he said that he's not the final product. He's not. He's a bit more raw than Chouameni was when he left Monaco. But he's a really exciting yeah. talent. There's still kind of weaknesses to his game. Apparently, he leaves a lot of kind of unprotected space behind him, allow, allowing players to make those runs. But there's definitely you know room for improvement. But um, but yeah, he's 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 a good player. I think we do need a centre back because as good on paper as the Silver Koulibaly partnership is, it's just it hasn't really worked out as as we were hoping to. And it seems now that we. We've reverted back to a back four, so we're going to need two very solid centre backs as well. And I don't know if this one will be for a player that's kind of um, ready for the season or more of a long-term investment. But but yeah, you look at Fofana, you look at another name on that article, Saliba, who's come from Ligue 1, yeah. has performed really well. Um, there's definitely some talent there, so I, I think this could be an exciting move. Um, but I I don't expect him to kind of just slot in and be kind of the centre back we've been looking for maybe since the partner of Thiago Silva or to replace John Terry or even, you know, the Cahill or Ivanovic's we had in a day. I don't expect that from day one, but but nevertheless, I think it's an exciting kind of player to be linked to. Yeah, I agree. And I think, again, you know, go back to the age, uh, I think he's, I said he's 21. So like it says in the article there, you know, you don't expect him to be the polished version of, say, a Kurt Zuma or someone of that level, you know, um, but there's room for improvement, as you mentioned as well. And I think even in there, in the article, it says, you know, you'll need time to develop. You'll need time to adjust to the Premier League as well. Um, so there's a lot, but it's, it's it's impressive that we're signing players of that level. You know, the age is right as well. Um, I just scrolled down before and I noticed here, you know, look at the ages of the players that we've signed mm. on the top so far. You know, all of them, um, 
you know, I was going to say bar uh, Wesley Fofana under the age of 20. So it tells you the vision and the, the, I suppose the project, the process, um, even in, you know, uh, Andre Santos as well, 18, um, shows you the vision of what Todd Bowley is trying to build at Chelsea. But I, I do think that is a massive gamble as well, because you've, you've also got to nurture these players. You've got to get them to the level that you expect them to be at. Um, but you still need a bit of that experience, I think. Like you just mentioned around Thiago Silva, you need someone like you know Mason now, who's you can't really class him as a, a youngster anymore. I know he's still relatively young in terms of his football in life, but not young. He's been at that top level enough now to be able to put his arm around some of these youngsters and say, "Look, this is what we need." And even Conor Gallagher, you know, even mentioned him, or Raheem Sterling. You need these players to step up now and and bring this second bunch of youngsters through, you know, um, who eventually will be hopefully first team play Chelsea. But just looking at that list there, um, obviously Reese James, we, we're going to get onto injuries shortly, but you know, you look at that right back situation now, surely this transfer window, we need to look at that. We need to address that, that, that area of the, the pitch uh, in my opinion, but there isn't many players that, are, you know, that scream out to me in terms of right backs that we can go for. No, I'd have to agree. Uh, it doesn't even look like we're linked to many um, right backs, and I can't really think of a youngster in our academy that can maybe fill in to play, um, you know, second choice to Rhys James. Because I'm going to be honest, as, as much as I like Aspie and as good as a servant he's been to us uh, during his ten years at Chelsea or so, he's just not—he's not got that level anymore to play second choice to to Rhys James, unfortunately. Um, especially when he's playing, you know, right back, and we expect him to, you know, be able to track back defensively, but also offer, you know, a bit of a threat going forward up at the pitch. But I think more than the other big problems we saw against Forest was Cucurella and Aspilicueta were just too scared to really, you know, push up the pitch and offer any kind of support to the attacking players. And that's something that Rhys James and maybe even Ben Chilwell do so brilliantly. And as a result, it just ends up being as Peter Silva, Silva to to Koulibaly, Koulibaly, Jorginho, Jorginho back to Silva and just passing around those kind of midfielders and defensive players and just keeping the ball and not doing much with it. So yeah, I think right back's a big kind of area to address as well. But unfortunately, I don't think it's going to happen in this transfer window. I know we've been linked with, um, and I forget his name, obviously, as you mentioned at the very start, we've drank a lot of beer and alcohol over the Christmas break. <laughs> but um, there's a, a right back from Celtic. I think we've been looking oh, at uh, Croatian um, one, I think. Is yeah, it? yeah, I think, yeah. yeah. So, um, and I think he's, he's he's on the you know the market for relatively cheap, I think under 10 mil. So, I think maybe as a stopgap, that's probably the option. Um, mm. I want to talk about Reese James though, because I feel like obviously the, the injury he suffered against uh Bournemouth was, I don't know whether it was, I expected it, part of me did because I. If you watch the way Reese James plays, sometimes he does leave himself open to sustain these type of injuries. The way he lunges in for the tackles or he lunges in for the ball, um, and there was a—I think there was a period in the first half where he did that. He kind of went in with his knee, he leaves his knee there. It just allows for these kind of things to happen. And my worry now for Reese James is that he's never going to recover to the, the level of expectations that we know and want from Reese James. I don't think we're going to see that anymore. I think he's he's probably, you know, even the, the likes of Van Dyke. you know, you're looking at Van Dyke now, he's not the player he was before that massive injury at Everton. Um, Chilwell, another one. You know, these players are, are you know, they're, they're working day in, day out, you know, training, whatever, playing matches. And then, you know, the rehabilitation doesn't seem to be enough. The period of rehabilitation doesn't seem to be long enough 
for the players that I'm talking about here for, for Chelsea players. But do you, I mean, do you think Reese James is ever going to hit that, that height? Is he hit a ceiling now because of the injuries that he's, he's sustained over the last two seasons? Or is there still room for him to progress, in your opinion? I, I see what you're saying, and I really hope you're wrong because we want to see Reese James. Come, yeah, we really want to see Reese James finish his career at Chelsea and you know drop those ten out of ten performances like he was doing when he was fit. But but you know his injury record isn't promising. It really isn't promising. His first game back from supposedly being fit, having trained in Abu Dhabi with the rest of the team, he played that behind closed doors friendly against Brentford, and then he just goes and gets injured, and it's the same recurring injury that he's been you know suffering with for the last year or so. And I really hope that he kind of pulls through and he's very, I feel like he's a very mentally resilient player as well. Um, but I just feel like question question marks need to be asked about, I've spoke to you on this on WhatsApp, but our, our medical team, I feel like you look at the amount of players that are just going down like flies with injuries, even Fofana, first game back, the same game against Brentford, and he goes he gets, goes off inju- injured. Chiwell only came back against Watford for the last game of last season and got injured against um, Zidimo Zagreb in November. Yeah. You know, we're talking about maybe two months back from an injury or first game back sometimes and you know drop getting injured i just don't know if our medical team are assessing these injuries properly and rushing players back you know too soon but i think something needs to be done to kind of you know assess this problem because we can't keep going on like this especially when it's i hate to say it but players that we depend on so much kante chillwell yeah, yeah. and um and we James, we look lost without those three players we really do especially like i mentioned the wing back areas aspi and cucurella just aren't I, for me, they're not cheer well, and Reese James has played like that, and I think it really could, and it has damaged our top four chances. And I think that's really where we we've seen a kind of a gap in the quality um, in the in the lineups and the quality of performances we put, we played. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I mean, when you when you posted this, I I, I just yeah, I did just laugh to myself because it's, I mean, forty two games and they've only played together once. Um, that's a worrying it is. I mean, I'm reading the tweet out if anyone's not watching on the live stream. But you know, Reese James and Ben Chilwell have only started together once in 42 games for Chelsea. Um I mean that is just that sums up everything around our our injury crisis that we've been having for the last two seasons. Um my worry for Reese James is I I, I just think the the role that he plays, you know, in terms of that wing back position or even right back position. Um, the expectation of him to be getting up and down that wing. Um, so as well, you know, the, the muscle that he carries. I mean, he's quite a you know, big muscular guy. You know, he carries a lot of weight on him. Um, that will pay that will play a part, you know, in terms of rehabilitation. You know, is he too too heavy in terms of muscle? Um, you know, mm-hmm. is he carrying too much of that? Possibly you'd you could say yes. Um He's got that he's got that SCN build in a way, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you look what happened. Michael Essien eventually, you know, the same mm-hmm. thing. So um just worries me that we won't see him for a while at the level that we need him to. And I think that's the worry. Um, you see the difference when he's not playing. You know, you just see an, a massive difference in terms of how we get that ball into the box. As we've already mentioned, Aspili Quest a brilliant servant, but he's just he's finished. He's not the player that we need to be playing in that role at all against any club, whether it's Forest or City, it doesn't matter. He just he's just not at the level, and you know it, it's it's a shame for him because I think he had the opportunity to potentially leave in the summer, you know, maybe go to Barcelona, back to Spain somewhere. Um, whatever happened, he you know, decided to stay, or the club requested that he stayed for another season. But 
you know, you don't want him to go out on with the legacy that he's got at Chelsea to go out as a, a Branislav Ivanovic with no disrespect to him, but you want him to go out on the top. And I think that was last season, you know, Club World Cup won it all. That was his time, I think, to leave. But in terms of the injuries, I think, yeah, medical staff have got question marks. And it's not just the, the new medical staff, because I think the previous um, head physio was removed from his role uh, when Todd Bowley came in. So it's, this is an ongoing thing, you know, from season to season. You know, you look at Kante, you look at Cobbs, who played, you know, injured in the FA Cup final last season, um, heavily strapped up, bruised ankles, bruised thigh. You know, um, I'd, I'd arguably say Thiago Silva must be receiving some form of injections. He has to be receiving something. Um, to, I mean, his body must be you know, falling to bits, really, but he's just plowing through these games, you know, at 38 years of age. So, you know, look at Mendy, who's injured now as well. There's so many injuries that are just cropping up all over the field um, has to be down to the medical staff. It has to be. Mm, you, know, you can't have any injuries. And, and, you know, if it's one or two, yeah, okay. If it was just Reese James, you could say maybe it's a Reese James issue. You know, he's he's got something hereditary wrong with him. It's a, you know, just a muscular thing. He's never going to recover from it. But if you're talking about five or six players and insane players, um, that's got to be a medical sort of physio medical staff issue that you're rushing these players back as you know don't have anyone to cover for them they're falling apart after two games or 30 minutes or whatever the case was just just to sidetrack slightly or uh you put a tweet out before the the Bournemouth game about these games I think it was from the in-betweeners and it actually happened it almost uh, happened to the minute of it was going to happen which I get why people say why did you play well, it is and you know, a lot of people said, why did we play Reese James? But if he's been given the green tick by the medical staff wrongfully, but they've given him a green tick that he's fit to play the game, Potter's in his right mind to start him because you need someone in that position. You can't play Aspilicueta. So it's a it's a double-edged sword for the manager. He's been told by the medical staff they're fit to play. He plays them. They get injured. He's out for a month now, which is a massive... I mean, you look at the games we've got in the next month. It's scary. It's but... Um, how, how do we how do we change this? I mean, is it a case of removing the medical staff, back reviewing things, just allowing them the recovery time that they need? What 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 needs to change? Bring back Eva Canero. That's what I'm saying. I heard she's, she's well. I don't know if you. There was a tweet over the Christmas period. Um, where was she? It was like in jest, but yeah. it was definitely. A tweet I think it was sarcastic. Was I think it was sarcastic. Okay. It oh. must be. I don't know. Things haven't but, been um, now. But, you've mentioned it. Things haven't been the same since she uh, she left. To be fair, yeah. You look back at those earlier seasons, and you know, in the last five or six years, I think we went through the whole 2016-17 season with one injury, all those kind of big cup runs we did, and league winning titles. We really stayed clear of injuries, but it's, like you said, it's only been the last maybe three to four years where we've really suffered with injuries, and you know, players are kept out for more than a month or two. Which yeah, I mean, you look, you put you put that fixture list up there. City back to back, Fulham away, which won't be easy. These are the type of games where you need a full, fully fit squad, and you need your best players to be fit. The likes of Rhys James, the likes of Kante, the likes of Ben Chilwell, but they're not, and that's what's worrying. And I doubt we're gonna, we will, hundred percent drop points in all those games, or the vast majority of them because of it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, just looking at the January period, I mean, this isn't. This isn't even going into to February, but you look at even the way that Palace played yesterday. I know that they lost to Tottenham, but they still were in the game up until that first goal went in. They, I thought they had a better first half than Spurs, to be fair. 
when you look at the way Palace are playing, um, they're a mixed bag, very much like we are at the moment. So you don't know what Chelsea's going to turn up that day or what Palace turn up. Fulham, Mitrovic is, seems to be the one with the scoring boots at the moment for Fulham. We already know about City. I mean, back to back, I don't preview the game uh, tonight shortly, but you know what you expect from City. And I mean, that game on the 21st, it's, 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 as mad as it it's sounds, you know, if we... It's a must win. Yeah, it is. All of them, all these games here, you know, all the, the three. Um, and again, sorry if you're on the audio version, you know, Fulham on the 12th, Palace on the 15th of January and Liverpool on the 21st of January. Um, early kickoff against Liverpool on the 21st. You know, they're all must-win games. You know, if we if we lose tonight, we lose against Fulham, we might draw against Palace and we lose to Liverpool. You know, we're talking bottom half of the table. Um, worrying times. I mean, out of those games, I mean, which ones realistically do you think we, we should be winning? I mean, maybe Fulham Palace or do, do we do is the expectation we should be winning every game? I mean, the expectation of Chelsea is every game we play, we should be in it to win it. But, um, Fulham, no disrespect to Fulham and Palace, but on paper, those are squad teams that we should be beating. Liverpool, given their form, we should be in for a chance. But I mean, football is very unpredictable. But if we can't beat Nottingham Forest, who are in the bottom three, then what says we're going to be beating Fulham, who are having a fantastic season? Palace, like you said, who you yep. know, stayed in the game until very late on against Tottenham, and then kind of unfortunately for them, they crumbled. And then Liverpool at Anfield, which is never an easy game. Um, and they still have the quality in their squad. No, sure, they lost to Brentford. They they draw a lot, lot of points this season. They're only slightly above us in the table, but they still have a lot of quality yeah. in their squad. Then they've got a fantastic manager who knows how to turn things around. So I think they're definitely going to be um, up for that game. But like you said, they're all must-wins in our eyes. And if we want to still keep our top four chances um, alive, then those are games that we need to be winning and picking up points. Otherwise, it's, you know, it's curtains for us this season. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've resigned to the fact that we're not getting top four. Um, even more so if we lose tonight, which if we're going on how we've been playing recently, is very likely that we will lose. Um, I just don't see us getting top four. I don't see us getting out of that January with six points, you know, and I think that's what we need really to even keep the top four dream alive. I think Obviously, there's a lot of football to be play, to be played still. You know, we're only in January, but look at those fixtures in January. You look at, you know, we haven't even factored in the Champions League when that comes back when we play Dortmund and and just things like that. So, and if we pick up any more injuries as well, so tonight we've spoken about City a couple of times on on here already, but they're not the City that would worry me if they weren't passing the ball to Haaland every time. And not to say that Haaland doesn't worry me, but that's their new thing is get the ball, pass it to Haaland, Haaland scores. So if we keep Haaland quiet, if, it's, it's a gift. It's a big if, yeah. Massive if, if we keep him quiet, which is possible. You can you can do it. We've got silver at the back um, and we'll get onto predicted lineups hopefully shortly. Um, but it seems to be the City way. They're not the, the City that was steamrolling teams, you know, five, six. Now, I know they did at the start of the season, but you look, you look at Everton, you know, Everton who were down and out, still are, you know, in the bottom three now, managed to get a point against Man City who, you, you know, no one would have expected that. So, you know, they are beatable. They are, you know, take the game to City and something will happen. You know, if you sit back and allow them to play the game and dictate the ball and retain the ball and pass it around, it's going to be a long evening. And, and my worry is that 
which is what they sort of did at the Carabao Cup game. Um, they didn't really dictate the, the game, but when they when they went forward with the ball, they were clinical and they allowed uh, we allowed um, Alvarez so much space on the ball. It was unbelievable. Um, what's your thoughts going into the game tonight? Big game. We said it already. It's a must win. What's your thoughts? I completely agree with you. It's um, City, as good as City are, they are beatable. We saw it with Brentford um, before the World Cup. Liverpool did it at Anfield with that 1-0 win. They are beatable, but the difference between us and City is that City are clinical. They take their chances. They've got brilliant players to come off the bench. I, we probably won't see um, Mares or Grealish or in the starting lineup tomorrow, but those are players that will come off the bench um, tonight sorry, and um, make an impact. And like you said, if their strategy all come to, seems to just be get the ball to Haaland, cross it into the box, he'll find a way to score. Um, but if Silver man marks him really well and gets he gets him out of the game, then there's a chance. But I'm still really not optimistic. I still think um, almost the dropping points against Everton for City would have been almost like a wake-up call for them and they're going to come back tonight with a vengeance. And if we play like we did against Forest, then I don't, I don't even think we'll score a single goal. Um, forget trying to talk about getting a draw or a win. Um, but yeah, I, I think it completely depends what Chelsea we see turn up. If it's the same Chelsea that we saw, you know, to take the game to AC Milan, home and away, the same Chelsea that played City and beat them five times in the league in the last four or five years, then that's a possibility. And we saw that Guardiola, like we always say here, he complicates things at times and it's the type of game that he might overthink. Um, a few injuries to talk about with Man City. I think Ruben Diaz is out of an injury. Um, Imrique Laporte is a doubtful tonight as well. But that yeah. being said, they can still bring in the likes of John Stones, Nathan Ake, Akanji, who are all fantastic centre-backs. So I don't think that's too much of a, a big kind of report, something to report about. But um, but yeah, I, I, I'm not optimistic, but football's unpredictable. And especially, if, you know, with Chelsea, it would be a very Chelsea thing to do to get a three points. But no, I think um, I'll give my prediction very quickly. I think it'll be um, 3-1 Man City. 3-1. Um, do you know what? Yeah. I, I, I... I think that's generous. I think I was going to go higher. Um, <laughs> I think if we don't keep Haaland quiet, and I know he's not the all and end of it, but he is the you know, the engine for the team at the moment. I think it doesn't matter who plays on those flanks, you know, if it's Foden or Mares or whoever, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know, they've got Kevin De Bruyne in that team who can take a pass from anywhere on the pitch. And what worries me worries me about our defence, which I'm going to quickly put up the, the lineup that I went with earlier, um, let me know if you disagree, but I went up with this lineup earlier. Uh, my worry is the right back position. Um, I haven't gone with Aspilicueta. Um, I've gone with Kepper and Goal, which is given, obviously, Mendy being injured. I've gone for, I was going to say Daniel Chalabar, uh, Trevor Chalabar, um, at right back, which is question mark already. I know. Um, Kulabali and Silva as the centre backs. Kukarel as left back, two midfielders, Zakarel and Kovacic. Another question mark, Amari Hutchinson in front of them. And the three of Sterling on the left, Hakim Ziyech on the right, and Kai Havertz, who really did not impress me um, against Forrest. He looks like a feather. He looks like he needs, I don't know, he's just getting knocked around the pitch. But it's a toss up between Amari and Havertz. You put Havertz there because got a goal against Bournemouth. He's had a very good World Cup um, or a relatively good World Cup. But what's your thoughts on that and change in, in terms of, you know, players and etc.? 
I do like the thinking. I do like, you know, not playing um, Aspilicueta and switching things up with Chiloba. Um, I think, as much as I'd love to see Hutchinson, I don't think that would be in Potter's thinking, unfortunately. I think it's a big kind of game to bring him in for his Chelsea debut. Um, and I do agree with you, Havertz needs to step up. I think it will be, uh, I do think Mount's got to, will play this game. I think he's that player that always features in these big games. And I think... Um, you think that's be, right, though? Sorry to cut It's you. not do right. No, it's I, right? I completely disagree. No, it's not right. I think players should be dropped when their form hasn't been hasn't been um you know on par with their usual level and almost to show that you 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 can be dropped you're not a guaranteed starter but I think Potter won't take that risk unfortunately and we know that when Mount does step up he's a brilliant footballer like we saw and um, with his goal against um, Bournemouth that being said I do think he's he's having a below average season um this year um I, it's so hard to predict the lineup but knowing Potter I think he'll go with a similar one that played against Forest which isn't right and I think it will, instead of Zachary, it will be Jorginho. I think I think it'll be Jorginho Kovacic. He'll he'll focus on experience. But I much as I I, I do agree, I want to see Chilova right back. I want something different to Aspilicueta because I think with Aspilicueta right back, we know what to expect. We know he's going to be chasing um, the likes of Foden. Um, it's a long night. Mahrez. It's, it's going to be a long night. Yeah. And then there's a possibility of you play a back three, and then should the the wing backs get caught out, you've got extra cover with that that third centre back. That's another option possibly. But I don't think, like you said, we yeah. have the quality in the wing backs anymore. You know, Cucurella hasn't really got any wing backs. No, we got any. No. We've, we've got. I mean, I think Pulisic has played right back or right wing back. I think Sterling played there at one point. I wasn't no. a fan of it. Um, I, I mean, I'd love to see Amara Hutchinson. I know it's a massive like gamble to put him in there, but I think what have you got to lose at this point in terms of you know Mason Mount for me does need maybe. Maybe it's the fact he's played a lot of football. You know, he started the season, he's played a lot of football. He went to the World Cup. I think he played pretty much every World Cup game, if I'm not mistaken, I think. So is it just a case he needs a rest, a break? Not sure, mm-hmm. but I would change. I, Hakim Ziyech for me has to be in the team. Um, yeah. Sterling in there because he knows City inside out. He's um, played with them, obviously. This is, a, I think, the, the upper hand for us, really, is, is at Stamford Bridge. which You would expect the fans, hopefully, to be vocal I know you're going tonight um be vocal <laughs> um but you know I think we've got to we've got to get we have to get three points here so I think you know Hakim Ziyech and Sterling on those on those wing um on the outside habits in the middle I mean I would play Amari Hutchinson I just think give him something give give these players that expect to be in the team something to think about give them mm-hmm. the rest but also something to think about as well um I kind of agree with you around Jorginho but He's played a lot of football. Take, He's played a lot of exactly, football as well. Has. Mm. And if we're taking the game to City, he doesn't strike me as someone who thinks forward. You know, he's very, mm. very arguably, you know, he has to be a defensive-minded player, um, which worries me. And that then ex- can expose the likes of Koulibaly, who I'm not very confident about going into a game where you've got Haaland, you've got Foden, you might have Mares, you can have Kevin De Bruyne working the strings in the midfield. I can see him either get, picking up a, a card or even... Worse, getting sent off or giving away a penalty because he's he seems very on edge when he plays sometimes, and you don't you're not sure what to expect from him. So, yeah, I, I'm gonna go five one. Not to Chelsea, by the way. Sorry if you're if you thought that was for Chelsea. No, this is for Manchester City to score five goals against us. I can see it being a game where they're annoyed that they drop points against Everton. Um, they want to try and close that gap on Arsenal. 
and and we we just don't look like a team at the moment. We really don't defensively midfield. We're not scoring, so it's, it's, it's going to it could be a cricket score if Aspilicueta starts as well. It's going to be a cricket score in my opinion. So I'm going to go five one. I hate to do it. I hate to be the one who starts a new in bad fashion and negativity, but things need to change. And if we can do that tonight, then great. But if we don't, wrap in. <laughs> it's going to be a long season, I think. I think I've yeah, shocked Theo into silence to. with my 5-1. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's going to be a long season, but it's going to be a long 90 minutes tonight as well. And I wouldn't be surprised if City just bang them in, especially a player like Haaland gets two or three. Um, not looking forward to it, but I guess with that going into the games now, just hoping, expecting the worst, hoping for the best is the mentality to have, um, given our form. But I really hope we can turn things around eventually. Um, I think you do have to try to stay positive. Um, but yeah, let's just hope for the best. We haven't mentioned Potter. We won't do it on this episode. We'll do yeah. it on the next one. Because um, there's questions I want to ask about Graham Potter and how he's done so far and what we expect him to do for the second half of the season. But we have run out of time for this one. So we'll do it on the next one. Maybe we'll talk about how we beat Man City 6-0 um, on the next one. No, no, <laughs> let's hope. Um, but for those who are listening on the audio version, make sure you head over to YouTube and subscribe to the channel and also click the link tree link in the description it will take you to all the podcast episodes previously um our social accounts as well are all on there so make sure you do that straight away um theo as always thank you very much for joining me enjoy the game tonight um i say that word loosely enjoy the game tonight um and yeah let's hope we can get a positive result Thank you everyone for watching who's been following the accounts as well. Um, we appreciate it all. So make sure you continue to do that. This has been episode 76 of From the Shed End. Thank you very much. Until next time, stay safe and thank you very much for listening.